decided to do uh, interpretive dance as we were singing. <laughs> Good morning, church family. I greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We thank God for bringing us together once again. Um, our desire is that as we hear God's word, He will change our hearts. That our hearts will be truly transformed, our hearts will be conformed to His will, that we will know Him and uh, be known by Him and to know Him truly. We are making progress in the gospel according to Mark. Uh, this morning we are in chapter 10, verse 13 to 16. And that small portion, uh, verse 13 to uh, 16. Actually, when you look at verse 13 up until um, 31, you will see that there's a similar theme. Uh, in other words, you could take that um, those two sections, the section of the children and the section of the rich young man as one sermon. But uh, this morning, I, uh, we will decide to look at them as two different uh, sermons, just to look at those themes um, differently. Uh, so we're looking at the section and the title of the sermon is Let the Children Come to Me. Let the Children Come to Me. If you're reading from the you have the ESV right in front of you, you'll notice that that's actually also the, um, the, the title for, for, for that section. Let the children come to me. Let's read from um, Mark chapter 10 verse 13 to 16. This is God's word. Follow me as I read God's word. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, like a child, shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. This is God's word. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, indeed it is our desire that you will change our hearts. You will make them ever true. You are the porter. We are the clay. Help us as we draw near to you to be truly transformed, to be truly uh, changed. Um, sanctify us with your word, for your word is truth. Give me clarity of speech and clarity of thought as I declare word this morning. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. Well, in this passage that we just read, Jesus has just finished teaching about the very serious matter of marriage and divorce. And as soon as that discussion is finished, he turns his attention to some little children that are being brought to him by their parents. It was a Jewish tradition to bring small children to a great rabbi so that he could bless them and pray for them. And it was also a common. Uh, it was also common for, for for parents to take their children to the synagogue, where each of their elders would take the child in their hands and pray for the life of the child. This is um, much the same thing that we still do when we dedicate the child and the parents to the Lord. These parents here. Uh, are severely rebuked 
as they bring their kids to the Lord, they are rebuked by the Lord's disciples. Apparently, they, they felt that the master's time was too valuable to spend on small children. But Jesus, in turn, rebuked them for their attitude regarding these children. He told the disciples in no uncertain terms that the little children were what the kingdom of heaven was all about. It is appropriate that Jesus should give us this teaching about little children just after he spoke about the marriage relationship. Now, let's face it. The children can be noisy in church, right? They can disturb uh, the pastor as he prepares to uh, mount the pulpit as his son runs around and he tries to uh, take and, and, and control him. That they require a lot of special attention and special programs. And they cannot contribute to the financial burden of the church, can they? In fact, there's uh, this new um, thing among millennials who call their children uh, their broke friends. Uh, they, they, they do not contribute anything. The children are not a curse to be endured. They are a blessing to be enjoyed. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of uh, the womb, the reward. In other words, we are blessed by all the little ones around here. They are all a blessing. And I'm not talking about uh, the size of Noazi uh, alone, but I'm talking about our youth as well. Children are a blessing and, and, and we need to make them feel like their presence is a blessing even to us. This passage is something to say about children and by extension about the Savior's kingdom as well. Uh, let's walk through these important but often neglected verses and observe some lessons about parents, children, and the Lord Jesus Christ here. I want to preach on the subject, let the children come to me. I want to show you the lessons we find in these verses. There are three lessons that are found in these verses. First of all, there's a lesson about service. There's a lesson about salvation and a lesson about the Savior. Service, salvation, Savior. I want us to understand that Jesus has a special place in his heart and in his plans for children. Let us look at that first uh, lesson, shall we? A lesson about service. This passage clearly reveals certain responsibilities that both the parent and the church have toward our children. Fulfilling these responsibilities is a form of service to our children. Let me show you how we serve them. First of all, we serve our children by evangelizing them. We serve our children by evangelizing them. Although they are born in Christian families, they are born in families that um, know God, they are not automatically Christians. They are not born Christians. Uh, this passage nowhere implies that Jesus was saving these children as well. He was merely praying for them and pronouncing a blessing on their young lives. This scene teaches us that these parents cared enough about the spiritual condition of their children to bring to Jesus so that they might be blessed through his praying and his touch. 
from the earliest passages of the Bible, uh, believers have been challenged to share the things of God with their children. Remember that passage, famous passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, that tells and instructs parents in how they should relate with their families. In other words, they, they, they should relate with their families in the fear of the Lord, right? They, they should love in the love of the Lord as well, loving the Lord with all their being. And not only that, but this should also be expressed in how they relate. They should teach about the Lord as they sit down, as they go to sleep, as they are on the way. They were to be, to be functionally uh, filled with the knowledge of the Lord. That the generation that they gave birth to, the generation that was coming after them, was supposed to know about the Lord. And that's how the Lord really uh, defined it, really. You look at um, the book of Proverbs. What do you see? You see a father sitting with his children and teaching them the way of wisdom. The fact that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He teaches them about um, what, what, what uh, it is to be, to be wise, to shun evil. He teaches them to embrace wisdom, to pursue wisdom. And you see that great passage at the end, right? The mother sitting with the son and saying, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, to be filled. With, with, with alcohol and, and continues again the passage shows that the young man what kind of woman he is to make his wife the Proverbs 31 woman that, that famous woman yeah it is the responsibility of parents to sit down with their children and teach them the way of truth that the New Testament also renews that challenge to parents remember in Ephesians chapter 6 verse we are told uh, when you look at Ephesians chapter 5 we are told about the marriage how husband and wife are to relate and in chapter 6 uh, verse 1 to 4 how children are, how parents are to relate with their children children are to obey their parents but not only are they obeying their parents their parents are also not provoking their children to anger but verse 4 bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The parents should do everything in their power to ensure that their children are exposed to the gospel. That means bringing them to church on a consistent basis. It means giving them the opportunity to be in Sunday school. When there's a Sunday school ministry in the church, you want your child to be continuously, consistently, and every day exposed to the ministry of hearing the word that is targeted especially to them. It means praying for them and praying with them and opening the Bible with them. It means being open about your own faith. You are not an incognito Christian when you are with your children. You know, there's this idea that uh, uh, this parenting philosophy that you should not teach your child about the faith. You should wait for them to get to an age where they choose for themselves. That's not how the Bible actually uh, teaches, right? We can see, especially from the Old Testament up until the New Testament, that parents had a responsibility towards their children. It means being consistent that also in your own life as a believer. 
and means teaching them that nothing in this world is more important than the Lord and his business. You know, sometimes we we can uh, be a bad testimony when we say with our lips that Jesus is that important, that Jesus is the most important in our lives. But with our lives, we tell a different story. We need to be consistent with our own lives. Sunday school teachers should share the gospel with the children of this church as well. We're not expecting you to teach them how to color Noah's Ark. They can do it by themselves. We're not saying that's not an activity that you should also do with them. But they can do it by themselves. Coloring Noah's Ark does not teach them anything about the significance of the flood, does it? The gospel should be preached from this pulpit as well. Not stories, not our own ideas. Still, the primary responsibility for evangelizing, and I want you to listen to me carefully. The primary responsibility for evangelizing the children of this congregation rests on the shoulders of parents. It's a problem brothers and sisters when your children are exposed to the word of God are exposed to the gospel only when they come to church it is a problem when they are exposed to the word of God only on Sunday morning then we need to look at your your priorities and consider your priorities and say what's happening when they learn how to pray only at church Children learn by consistent actions. When you continue doing something with them, they make it their own. And they start doing it by themselves. You might be here and saying, you don't know anything about children. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the experience that I have is um, parenting a two-year-old. Um, that's the experience I have. When he turns three, I'll have an experience of parenting a three-year-old, and so on and so forth. But still, it is still important. You, you don't start them when they start speaking. Right? I'll give you a, a testimony. I'm not bragging. Um, I'm uh, pastorally giving you <laughs> an example. We decided to teach Wazi at a very um, when he couldn't even say anything to say please the the word please at six months um, when he would cry for something we would say to him say please and we we were cognizant of the fact that he couldn't say please with his mouth and we showed him how to say please to say please say please and by eight months he could say please before he gets anything he couldn't say it with his mouth right and when he we, we, we would continue every day when we put him to sleep we'd pray with him consistently was he you, you you cannot leave his room without him saying wait let me pray and I should say he prays for even the people of CBC thank you God for my union 
Thank you, God, for Auntie Joy. Thank you, God, for Tando. And he keeps saying, he mentions every single person by name. All, all, all those people that he knows and interacts with, right? He mentions them by name to a point that sometimes we have to stop him and say, it's enough, sleep. Because I think we, sometimes he uses it as an excuse not to sleep. But still, the, the, the principle still stands, right? Children need to hear about God from us first. So we serve them, first of all. We serve them by evangelizing them. Secondly, we serve our children by educating them. By bringing their children to Jesus, these parents were telling their children that they saw something special in him. Like those ancient parents, believers in our day have the responsibility of modeling their faith in Jesus so that the younger generation can see that he is worth knowing. If my faith does not change my life and cause me to be a better person, my children will pick it up too. I can walk, I can talk about my faith, but if I don't live out my faith, it translates into hypocrisy in the eyes of my children. They are very quick to spot a phony, aren't they? We are responsible for educating our children about the things of God. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. As we read, that phrase that we read um, when he says bring them up in the discipline of the Lord. That word discipline refers to the whole training and education of a child. It is not the public schools teach us responsibility to see that our children come to Jesus. It is our duty to bring them to face to face with the Lord. If we make much of Jesus in front of them, they will be much far more they will be far more likely to come to him at an early age and remain faithful to him as they mature. Now, let me also uh, throw this in. You are not responsible for your child embracing the faith. You are, however, responsible for teaching them, modeling it to them, and appealing and calling them to repentance. There are godly men out there who have lived lives that are honoring to God, lived lives that are glorifying to God, and faithfully taught the gospel to some of their children, and some went way off. I can talk about famous preachers that you know. John Piper has a son who denies the faith and, 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 and is an atheist. John MacArthur has a son who, who denies the faith. You see, it's not your responsibility to change the heart of your child. It is your responsibility, however, to share the gospel with them, to model what a Christian is. In other words, when your child rejects the faith, they should never reject the faith because you showed them what hypocrisy is. They should never reject the faith because you were unfaithful. They should never reject the faith because you did not teach them the faith. They should never reject the faith because you did not stand and pray for them and model it for them. They should reject it 
because they want to reject it. Even with all the, the evidence that were given to them. Even with all the faith that was taught to them. Even with the, all the modeling. They should never reject it because of you. They should reject it by themselves. We must make much of Jesus. We must make much of Jesus in our homes, in our very lives. We must grieve when we do not model um, a Christian character to our children because it happens sometimes, doesn't it? We must grieve and we must repent before them. One of the things that our parents do so bad is that they will fight in front of children and repent, reconcile in the bedroom where the children are not looking. And the children take that as a model for marriage. That this is normal as they grow. When you fight, as sometimes these things unfortunately do happen, when you repent and you fought in front of the children, you repent in front of them, you reconcile in front of them. My wife, when I say something, when we, when we have um, exchanged words, she says, say sorry to us. And we sit down with him and we apologize to him. When, when Wazi sees that, he sees the need to repent. To ask for forgiveness, to apologize. We serve our children by educating them. Thirdly, we serve our children by encouraging them. When these parents came to Jesus with their children, they were encouraging them to approach Him as well. Christian parents are told, as we read in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The word instruction has the idea of encouragement. We, we ought to encourage our children to seek, seek the things of God. We teach them to pray at an early age. Make the Bible a big part of their daily life. Pray with them. Bring them to Sunday school and preach. Involve them in church activities like youth group. Expose them to everything of a godly nature that is available. This has taught me a lot about the fatherhood of God towards his children. That when Wazi was um, a few months old and he started to walk and he took his first steps, I didn't say to him, Oh, nice, come back to me when you can run like uh, Usain Bolt. Right? I was proud of those first steps. God, the fatherhood of God towards us is that he is not looking for us to you know, be this immediately perfect Christian. When there is progress in the right direction, he is like a father to a child. When you're taking your first steps and he is proud of those first steps. 
when you say your first word he is like uh, that parent that millennial parent who takes a phone and runs and say what did you say 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 that again he is proud of the small progress that happens in your life as a christian see brothers and sisters sometimes we become discouraged when we are not making progress as other christians but little progress is still progress does that make sense little progress is still progress i'm not encouraging you to make little progress but i'm saying if you're making progress it is still progress and and the fatherhood of god is just revealed in the fact that he encourages us and he woos us and he brings us to himself and he is proud right when you say a few words he does not say wait wait a few minutes come back when you can speak like a poet he is proud when your heart turns away from that sin that you struggle with and 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 you you fight through it then you you pursue holiness he is proud when you uh, discipline yourself to spend time in the word when the noise of the world is starting to be drowned out because you want to hear the voice of god through his word when you realize that it is that important to spend time with him in communion we learn so much about the fatherhood of god in that way one of the best things a mature believer can do for children is for them to be in love with jesus christ when mature adults love jesus with a sincere devotion it encourages children to love him too when the youth the children see us as a community of faith making much with Jesus with our lips and making much with, with Jesus with our lives and they will see that this faith thing is that serious there's no greater blessing than for a child to be saved and for them to live their whole lives for Jesus Dale Moody once returned from a meeting and reported two and a half conversions. Someone said, two adults and a child, I suppose. He said, no. Two children and an adult. The children gave their whole lives. The adult had only half of his left to give. It's a blessing, brothers and sisters, to see children growing up in the ways of the Lord, professing Christ and being baptized in the church, giving their lives. So we see a lesson about service, first of all. Secondly, we see a lesson about salvation. A lesson about salvation. While this text there uh, certainly highlights every adult responsibility to serve our children by helping them form a spiritual foundation it also speaks about the matter of salvation let me show you a a couple of those first of all we see what it implies right The, the fact that children are invited to come to the savior implies that children need a savior they need a savior 
they need to be saved. The young people, you, you might come here because you are forced to come here. You are dragged to come here. You don't want to wake up Sunday morning. But let me tell you, your greatest need is not the latest iPhone. It is not the latest uh, Game Boy or whatever, if there's Game Boy's uh, uh, Xbox or something like that. Your greatest need is to know Jesus. To know Jesus. To have your heart changed by Him. You are young, yes. But you don't have to wait until you are old to know Jesus. You can know Jesus now. You can have a relationship with Him now. Your heart can be changed now. You don't have to say that will make me uncool with my friends when I go to school and they are doing their own things. It, it doesn't matter. Your friends will not stand before God when you stand in judgment day. They will stand for themselves. You know that thing that we talk about if your friends jump off a bridge are you going to follow them? You might say I'm following them but they will not follow you. You don't have to impress your friends. You don't have to see what is, what is cool today. You see, your greatest need is not to be the coolest thing. Your greatest need is to be saved by a holy God. God does not call you to be cool. He calls you to be holy. The Bible is not about adults. The Bible is not about the elderly alone. Read it. Spend time in it. See how God used young people. See how God drew young people. Young people like David, God called them to himself. God changed their hearts. God used them mightily. You can still be used by God even today. Children are cute but they are sinners they need a savior they need to be saved David says about himself Psalm 51 verse 5 behold I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me I was a sinner when I was born the children may possess a kind of innocence they still need salvation. And in a book, um, Confessions of Augustine, he, he writes about when he was a child and when he would cry for his mom's breast to be fed and how, um, you know, well, it was in observance of other, uh, other kids as he grew up, how, how they would angrily want this thing to a point that they are angry. If they had the strength of a 16-year-old and the capacity of a one-month-old, they will kill you without even thinking about it. The reason God made them so small, as Vodi Bakam says, and cute, is so that you will not kill them. The reason they are small and don't have the strength of a 15-year-old or 16-year-old is so that they don't kill you. As he says, they are not small little angels. They are vipers in a diaper. 
That's why children, parents and their concerned adults must do all they can to bring children face to face with the claims of the gospel. It is not our duty to save them, as I said, but it is our duty to expose them to the word of God. When children hear the gospel preached, taught, and lived up, they are far more likely to come to Jesus at an early age. They need to hear the gospel. Here's what Paul told Timothy about exposing children to the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. He says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. When he talks about the fact that this was from childhood, Timothy grew up in a family where his father was not saved. But his grandmother was. His mother was. And they led him. They taught him the scriptures from a young age. The scriptures that are able to make one wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The scriptures that confront the heart that draw him to God. Now, we see what it implies. Secondly, what it illustrates. This whole matter of children coming to Jesus was used by our Lord to illustrate the way all believers must come to him. In this passage, Jesus says that all who come to him must come as a little child when you look at chapter 10 also verse 36 and 37 he's referring to a few of the special characteristics that separate children from adults children are trusting aren't they they are humble and dependent they are so trusting that they have to be warned not to, to talk to strangers they are so humble that they will readily accept what they are told, they would believe that there's such a thing as the tooth fairy or Santa Claus. They are so dependent that they simply rest in the ability and willingness of those around them to meet their needs. They don't worry about food, clothing, or shelter. They don't worry about who will pay the bills. You don't, you don't find a child at the end of the day uh, you know, ha- having a spreadsheet and, and, and saying, where is this budget going? Where is this money going? How am I going to pay this bill? They don't worry about that. They depend on you to do that. Children don't doubt that their family members love them. Children simply accept profound things by faith. They don't look beyond the obvious. They just believe. Those are the requirements for a person to come to Jesus. For a person to be saved, regardless of their age, they must be willing to humble themselves before God. They must be willing to lay down their pride over the life they have lived and the achievements of that life. They must humble themselves by acknowledging their sins before God. They must be willing to submit that their works and religious activity can never save them. They must come to the place where they, like a little child, simply look to Jesus in pure faith, trusting that he will do everything he has promised to do. He has paid the bill, hasn't he? Fully. You don't need to 
come and, 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 and play your part. He has paid the bill. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left the crimson stain. He has washed it white as snow. Now contrast this image this childlike, uh, of a childlike faith with the very next passage of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. We'll look at that um, when we uh, look at the text next time, God willing. In, in, in chapter 10, verse 17 to 22, he refused to turn loose of his pride, his money, or his self-righteousness. He left with all his possessions, but he left without Jesus. He left without Jesus. You see, you can be rich with all the possessions of this world, with everything that you, your heart desires, but if you lack Jesus Christ in your life, you are as poor as they come. We raise our children to think that the most important thing for them is to have a, a big job and earn the biggest money. And I pray that your lives turn out well in that way. I pray that you do well, that um, your skills will be used for the Lord. But let me tell you, if you get to a point where all that matters in your life, and I'm talking to you young people, where all that matters in your life is getting as much money, you are lost. The purpose of life is not to make the biggest uh, you know, uh, paycheck uh, ever possible. That's not the purpose of life. The purpose of life is to know God and be known by him and if that is not something that you have in your life you have lost it all no dead person takes their paycheck to the grave you are replaced next week they hire someone next week someone takes over your business or it dies by itself no person takes their possessions to the grave You know, we, we live in a country where there's a lot of bribery. You bribe your way in everything. A traffic cop, uh, you were driving more than 120 at an 80, uh, you know, way, and then uh, they stop you, and you, and I'm not saying you should do that. That's a church discipline issue, right? I'm not saying you should do that. And you want to give them cold drink, right? You give them cold drink and you pass. Scott's free, no ticket. When you stand before God, you cannot do that. You cannot bribe your way into heaven. Your cuteness cannot get you into heaven. You will stand before him to give an account of your life. And he will not look at how cute you are, how, oh, how adorable, how huggable you are. He will not look at those things. Do you know him? That will be the question. You require faith to look to Jesus, trusting him 
and his finished work on the cross completely for your soul's salvation. This requires, brothers and sisters, the childlike qualities of trust, humility, and dependence. This is the only way anyone can ever receive salvation. We don't inherit salvation. Right? We don't inherit salvation. Salvation is not a, a, a bloodline thing. Now, let us look lastly. We saw a lesson about service, a lesson about salvation. Lastly, a lesson about uh, the Savior. This passage only speaks about service, not only speaks about service and salvation, it also has something to say about the Savior. Watching Jesus minister to these children, we, we, we get a glimpse of aspects of our Lord's personality here. In verse 13, we see the Savior's heart. We see the Savior's heart. The disciples thought that Jesus was too busy for a bunch of children. When the Bible says they were bringing children to him, it has the idea of a long line of children brought to Jesus. The parents from all over the area had brought their children to Jesus so that he could pray for them and pronounce a blessing over them. When the disciples rebuked their parents, Jesus was indignant. He was angry with them. This means that Jesus was very angry with the disciples who were trying to prevent children from coming to him. Children had a, had, a, had a special place in our Lord's heart. In fact, Mark chapter 9 verse 42 reminds us that the harsh judgment awaits those who abuse little children. Jesus always defends the defenseless, doesn't he? In that society, children are often treated with contempt and viewed as property. A papyrus letter um, written by a man named Hilarion to his expectant wife, when the wife sent him a letter that she is expectant, he sends the letter back to Alice, his wife. The letter is dated June 17, 1 BC, before Christ. And he instructs the wife. This is what he says to her. If it was a male child, let it live. If it was a female, cast it out. This was the attitude towards children. In ancient Rome, fathers had absolute power over their children. This power was called patria potestas. A father, in other words, could condemn a child to die simply by commanding it to be done. A case where this happened was recorded in 60 AD, and this practice was finally outlawed in 375 AD. What Jesus does here is elevate children to a place of importance. He also reveals that children hold a special place in his heart. This scene reveals a lot about Jesus. Children cannot serve him like those who are older. They cannot contribute as much money as those who are older. Still, he loves them and reaches out to them in grace. This just reminds us that God is not interested in what we can do in what we can give and how old we are. He simply invited people to come to him on the basis of pure grace. Jesus loves lost sinners and he invites them all to come to him. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. 
John chapter 3 verse 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life right will not perish will not die but have eternal life isn't that what he does he invites you not because of how old you are he invites you not because of how much money you have he invites you not because of your nationality your skin color he invites you because of his grace now look at verse 16 with me we see the savior's hands this verse says and he took them in his hands and blessed them laying his hands on them this indicates that he took the time to bless each child that came before him no matter how young they were or how insignificant they appeared Jesus cared about them and he took time for them you never think for an instance that Jesus doesn't care about you he loves you and he will not turn away if you will come to him no matter where the path of life has taken you, no matter what you have, you may have done, no matter how insignificant you may feel, Jesus Christ will save you and change your life if you will come to him. He cares about your condition. He will take time to touch your life if you will only come to him by faith. Now let me conclude by noting this down regardless of whether you are saved or lost young or old Jesus cares about you we have children here today and I want you to know as well that you can have a relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross you don't have to wait until you are old the Christian thing is not only a thing for your parents but for you as well if he's calling you today, today will be a great day to come to him. If you're thinking about it, I can see some of you are looking at me seriously. If that look of seriousness means that Jesus Christ is speaking to you, it is time for you to come to him. It's time for you to come to know him. While this message is about children, it is not only for children. If you have never been saved, regardless of your age, you need to come to Jesus today. He died on the cross to save you if you are lost. If your life has gotten complicated by living in an adult world, you know, they say adulting is very, very hard. Uh, isn't that what they say today? Not adultery, right? Adulting, being an adult. I know it's not a word, but it's, they made it a word. When, when being an adult is hard for you, you need some help from God today. You can get it. If sin has crept into your relationship with Jesus and is hindering you to work with him, you can forgive, you can find forgiveness today from him. If you will come to him, you will find that his grace will be sufficient for you. If there are needs in your life, you can come to him like those little children did 2,000 years ago and you can find the help that you need from him. Notice those words. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Let's pray.
Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray for every young person today that they will not trust in their parents' faith, that they will embrace the faith for themselves. I pray for each and every single individual who is here, those who are weary, Lord, heavy laden, that they will come to see you. Those who do not know you will have their eyes opened. Those, oh Lord, who are walking faithfully, that they will walk with you still. They will display love for you. I pray for parents, Lord, who are struggling with their unruly children. I pray for young parents who are raising um, little ones to give them the courage to share the gospel with them. I pray, Father, for every single individual who is here that you will be the most important thing in their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.